I've asked Andy to stay up here because we're going to play a little game. Well, there's only one round of the game, but it's called Name That Tune. So, 10 points for the title of this song. All right, right down here, taking care of business. Again, how are you doing this when you're not playing? That is magic. Nice. Can you make it stop or not? <laughs> there, you there you go. Very nice. Okay, good, right. I thought it was like air guitar where we had a track playing, but it was actually you. Yes, correct, right down here, taking care of business. Okay, for 1,000 points, who sings that song? Bachman Turner Overdrive. I don't know who it was over here, but you get 1,000 points. Nice work. Bachman Turner Overdrive, and for 100,000 points, what year? 75 is too late, 72 is too early. I'll give you credit for 73 or 74. It's recorded in 73. It's released in January of 1974. Uh, yes, that's the Bachman-Turner Overdrive song, Taking Care of Business. You don't have to. I was one when it was released. Uh, but you probably have heard it. Uh, it's been in Staples commercials. It's been in Simpsons episodes. It shows up a lot. But here are the lyrics from the first verse and the chorus. And the song goes, I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to read it. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> You get up every morning from your alarm clock's warning, take the 8.15 into the city. There's a whistle up above and people pushing, people shoving, and the girls who try to look pretty. And if your train's on time, you can get to work by nine and start your slaving job to get your pay. If you ever get annoyed, look at me, I'm self-employed. I love to work at nothing all day. <clears throat> and then of course the famous chorus, taking care of business. Now, I didn't put the second verse up there, but the second verse is really the same idea, which is, look, if you were really, really lucky, you could be in a rock band like Bachman-Turner Overdrive and not have to work. And the point is, that's actually a pretty negative view of work, uh, that to go to work is basically a slave, and if you were really fortunate, you could be in a rock band and work at nothing all day. That, that would be the goal. Work is this thing that we just try to endure and get through because life happens apart from work. Now, that's a pretty negative view of work. Fortunately, God has a very different view of work than that. That God has something to share to us this morning about how He views work, which is quite different than how the world views work. So what I'd like you to do this morning, I invite you to take a Bible and turn to the book of Ruth, chapter 2. Book of Ruth, chapter 2. If you're using one of the church Bibles, that's page 210. Ruth, chapter 2. This summer, we've been going through a series in the book of Ruth. We began with the idea that God is a redeeming God. This is the big idea of the book of Ruth. That God is a rescuing God, a restoring God, a renewing God. That God cannot sit idly by while Satan, sin, death, and suffering destroy our lives. He simply can't do it. His love for us is too great. 
And so what God does is he brings about redemption, rescue, restoration to our lives. We looked at three main characters from the book of Ruth. Boaz, uh, who struggled with fear, and we saw how God rescued him. Naomi, who struggled with bitterness, how her bitter circumstances were turning into a bitter attitude, and how God rescued her. And then the character of Ruth, who was tempted to take matters into her own hands to try to control her life and her future, and how God was kind and gracious to her. Last week, we talked about how God uses hospitality as a means of redeeming and rescuing. Today, we get to talk about how God uses work as part of that process. And by work, I mean the jobs that we do, whether paid or unpaid, whether in the home or outside the home, whether in the secular uh, arena or in the Christian arena, wherever it may be, we want to talk about how God uses work as part of the rescuing, redeeming, restoring process to bring health and life and blessing to each one of us. Ruth chapter 2, we're going to begin in verse 1, where we are in the story itself. Ruth and Naomi, uh, Naomi is her mother-in-law, Ruth is the daughter-in-law, they're both widows. Ruth is a Moabite, meaning she's from the modern country of Jordan. Naomi is from Bethlehem in Israel. And these two women are returning back to Naomi's hometown in Bethlehem. And we pick up the story in chapter 2. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of the harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. Now, as we think about this concept of work, I'd like to talk about it in terms of the major characters that we have in the story, beginning with this man, Boaz. Now, it's important to recognize Boaz is not a prophet. He's not a priest. He's not a Levite. He's not a king. He's not an apostle. He's not a teacher. He's not a pastor. He's not an evangelist. Boaz is a small business owner. He's a farmer. He's a worker. He has nothing about his profession is religious whatsoever. He's exactly who Bachman Turner Overdrive is singing about. He's a guy who goes to his slaving job every day. Now things are going well currently, but there was just a famine not very long ago that he had to suffer through. This is a regular business owner who's working in the secular world every day. Now we're told that this man Boaz 
is a man of standing, meaning he's well-respected in the community. Why? Well, it's not because he's rich. We don't think Boaz is wealthy. We don't think he's independently wealthy. We don't think he inherited wealth. He's doing well. Business is booming, but previously business had not been doing very well, and he wasn't doing very well. He's a small business owner who has some people working for him, but we would not say that he's rich. He gives no indication of that being why he is of good standing in the community. He's not married. He's got no kids or grandkids, so the reason he's a man of standing is not because he has this big, beautiful family, lots of sons and daughters or lots of grandkids. That can't be the reason why he's a man of standing. He's not an elder in the community. We find that out in chapter 4. He has to actually summon the elders to come for uh, the marriage proposal that he's going to make about Ruth. He's not an elder in the community, and so that's not why he's a man of standing. So the question is, why is he a man of standing? And the answer is, because of his job. Meaning, the way he does his job. This is a man who does his work with integrity. This is a man who is a hard worker. I mean, look at the way his employees interact with him. His greeting to them is, the Lord be with you. Their greeting to him is, the Lord bless you. He has a good relationship with the overseer of his harvesters. We also know that Boaz is so diligent to obey the word of the Lord that he's willing to have Ruth come and glean in his field, and he's very generous to this widow and to this foreigner. And listen, if a person is going to obey God's word in that aspect, he's going to obey all of God's word, which means Boaz is a guy who's doing his business with integrity. He doesn't have two sets of weights, as the Bible says. One set of weights to charge people that he doesn't like so he can uh, rip them off and take more money from them. He's a person who treats his employees well. He's a man of integrity. The reason why he's a man of standing is everybody knows, look, with Boaz you get a fair deal. This is a guy who does his job well. And that's the first blessing I want us to notice from work, and that is it brings dignity. Remember, Boaz's mother, remember who she was? A prostitute. This is a small town, the little town of Bethlehem. This is a small town with people who have long memories and loose lips. Nobody has forgotten who his mom is. Nobody has forgotten that she was a prostitute. How did he move from being the son of a prostitute to being a man of standing? It was through his job. He did his job with integrity. He did his job in obedience to the Lord. And the first observation about work is God gives us work because it ennobles us. It brings us dignity. We see this in Genesis chapter 2. The first time the words work are mentioned in human history, Genesis chapter 2, the Lord God took the man, Adam, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Now this is before Eve is created, which also means it's before what? Before the fall, before sin. 
Sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that work is a result of the curse of the fall. It's not. Work is a lot more difficult because of the fall. But work was given by God to humanity before sin entered the world. And the point is that when God looked around and saw all the creatures that he had made, there was only one creature that he was willing to entrust the task of overseeing the Garden of Eden and taking care of the earth that he had created, and it was the human. Work brings dignity. It's what separates us from the animals. When you are asked to go to your job, when Boaz is employing harvesters and he's uh, uh, making grain, growing grain and selling grain, when he's doing all of those things, that's not something an animal can do. Work is a gift from God and it brings dignity to us. It ennobles us. Now, your job is designed by God to do the same thing. If you work in the construction industry, if you're a teacher, if you're a janitor, if you work in childcare, the world may not think that your job bestows dignity, but they're wrong. <laughs> God gives work because it bestows dignity and honor. And regardless of what the world thinks bestows dignity and honor, God gave you the job that you have, whether paid or unpaid, whether in the home or outside of the home, whether in the religious world or in the secular world. He gave you the job that you have for the same reason he gave Adam his job in the beginning is that it's dignifying. Adam is able to do what he's able to do because he's created in the image of God. And when you go to work and do your job in a way that's filled with integrity, you are doing what you're doing because you're made in the image of God. Amen. If you're a tool and die maker and you go and work in the factory and you create uh, those dyes, you're doing that because you're made in the image of God. If you're a medical personnel and you go and work as a registered nurse in the hospital, you're able to do what you're doing because you're made in the image of God. There are no animals we can assign that job to. If you're a computer programmer and you're programming computers using the mind and the skills that God gave you, it brings dignity and honor because you are made in the image of God. This is why it can be so hard when you're out of work. It's not just something societal that says, well, I'm supposed to be working. There's something about who God created us to be that it can be hard when you're looking for work or when you're underemployed or when you're unemployed. The first blessing of work is that it gives us dignity and honor. For the second blessing of work, let's look at the character of Ruth. Now, each of these three blessings we could have picked with any of the three characters. So for Ruth, for example... She's known at the beginning of chapter 2 as the Moabite, meaning she's a foreigner. 
It's so interesting that the supervisor doesn't even refer to her by name. He just calls her the Moabite from Moab, as if a Moabite would be from somewhere else. But by the end of chapter 2, she's Ruth. What happened? She worked. It brought her dignity and honor. She was no longer identified in his mind as simply the foreigner. Hey, wait, she's a good worker. That brings dignity and honor. That was the first point. But there's another thing that we can see about work in the story of Ruth, in the character of Ruth. Verse 17 of chapter 2. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it had mounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth, Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. The second blessing of work is it allows us to provide for ourselves. It allows for us to provide for ourselves. Ruth goes to work, and she gathers food so that she can eat. Paul says it this way in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. God designed work as a means by which you and I can provide for ourselves. Now, there are sometimes circumstances where a person is not physically able to work. There are times circumstances where there is no work to be had. But in general, the second blessing of work is it allows us to provide for ourselves. That's one of the ways it brings dignity and honor, is that we're able to work and feed ourselves. The most recent uh, issue of Fortune magazine has this idea of universal basic income. You may have heard of this. Uh, it's been around for a long time, actually. But a number of people in Silicon Valley deciding that automation is going to replace all of us uh, have decided, well, what if we gave everybody a universal basic income? What if we just gave everybody money for doing nothing? Now, I can tell you right now, that's going to cause some problems. I don't think it would work anyway. But the reason it would cause problems is that we are not simply having money for the sake of having money. Work is the blessing. And when you work and are able to provide for yourself, that's the way that God set it up. This is why parents, if you're not giving your children any chores to do, whether you pay them or don't pay them, or you're not ever encouraging them to do work outside the house, you're not doing them any favors. We're not just trying to prepare people to exist in America. This is not a capitalistic thing. This is a God thing. God designed the system where we're supposed to work, and as a result of that work, we eat. And if we're not training our children, this is how it works, by having them do chores. And again, whether they're paid or not paid, that's not the point. Chores are work, and it's a reminder that, okay, look, you're a part of this family. There are things for you to do. Or if they're going to work outside of the home, to be able to have 
We don't do paper routes anymore. I used to have a paper route. Work in a grocery store, to mow lawns, to babysit, whatever it may be. You're not preparing your child to succeed in America. You're preparing your child to succeed in God's world. This is how God set it up. Work is how we feed ourselves. That's the second blessing of work. Now, before leaving this point, I want to point out that Ruth, no surprise, is a woman. And she's working outside the home for pay. And I just want to point that out just in case there's anybody who thinks that a woman working outside of the home for pay, a wife or a mother who's doing that, is somehow doing that in an unbiblical sort of way. This is as biblical as it gets. Ruth is held up as an example. And of course, she's not the only one. There's other female workers in the book of Ruth who work for Boaz. The woman in Proverbs 31 is working outside of the home for a salary. Lydia in the New Testament, Priscilla in the New Testament. We have lots of examples. And so if you are a female working outside of the home, please don't let anybody tell you that that's somehow ungodly or that's somehow unbiblical. If God has chosen that for you to do, well, Ruth is a great example of someone in whose footsteps you are following and who you are emulating. Third blessing of work, we want to look at the character of Naomi. For this, we've got to turn over to chapter 4. So turn uh, to chapter 4. While you're turning, let me tell you what's happened in the story as you turned. Ruth and Boaz got married, and then God miraculously provides them with a child. We read in verse 16 of chapter 4, then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there in Bethlehem said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now, what I think is so interesting about this is that Naomi is the grandmother. She's not the mom. And actually, if you really think very closely about it, she's not the biological grandmother. Ruth is not her biological daughter. It's her daughter-in-law. And Boaz is not her biological son. He's related to her her husband who's passed away. Naomi is not the biological grandparent of this child, but what I think is so interesting is that she cares for him. Now, the word care for is in the semantic field of work. She's doing work here. Now, we talked about the fact that women work outside the home. Here's a woman who's doing her work inside the home. She is a grandparent caring for a child. Now, again, please... Please don't think, well, it's just women we're talking about here. Yes, Naomi happens to be a woman, but this exact same word is used of Mordecai, who's a man, in the book of Esther, which we're going to do next, for his raising of this daughter. It's actually his niece. So the idea is men or women who work in the home raising kids is doing work. That the idea here, now it happens to be a grandparent who's doing the work, but this is considered work. And if you've ever tried to raise kids, 
it's hard work. And so for men who are doing that at home, for women who are doing that at home, I love the fact that not only does God acknowledge that Ruth is working outside the home, but there's work to be done inside the home raising this child. Now again, the thing that's interesting is this is the grandmother who's doing this. What's going on? This, this, what I'm about to tell you is pure conjecture. I have no idea if this is right or not. But I wonder, given Ruth's personality that we saw a couple of weeks ago, and given the fact that Naomi is the one raising the kid, I wonder if Ruth simply went back to work with Boaz. I wonder if the two of them are running the farm. If the two of them are doing the work outside the home, and Naomi has the job of raising the child. That's pure conjecture. I don't have any way of knowing that. But for some of you who are grandparents, who are helping raise your grandchildren, you might find in Naomi an example of someone in the Scriptures who's doing exactly what you're doing. The other thing that's interesting is the women living in Bethlehem say, Naomi has a son, not Ruth. And you get the sense that this little boy is so attached to his grandma, who's always with him and always taking care of him and always looking out for him, that it's like he's her son. Now the affirmation here in the blessing of work is that Naomi is doing this to bless someone else. Yes, Ruth, but ultimately this little baby. Now I could have used this point that work allows us to be a blessing to others. I could have used that with Boaz. Boaz's field and his job allows him to hire Ruth, which is a blessing to her. I could have used it with Ruth. Ruth going out and threshing the grain allows her to have food to share with Naomi. But the reason I chose to use it with Naomi is it's easy to forget that the very best way that we serve others is by being parents and grandparents. And when we are being generous to others by being uh, caring for, cleaning up after, cooking, changing the diapers for our children and grandchildren, that is a means of serving others. Amen. And the third blessing of work is the hard work that Naomi is doing allows her to bless this little baby boy. It's essentially what Paul says in, a, in Acts chapter 20 speaking to the elders from the church of Ephesus. He says this, You yourselves know that these hands of mine supplied my own needs, that was the second point, and the needs of my companions, that's this point. In everything I did, now he's talking about the fact that he is literally a tent maker, meaning he made tents, that was his job. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I don't know what was going on in the church in Ephesus, but he essentially repeats this same thing in the letter to the Ephesians. So this is to the elders at Ephesus. This is to the letter to those same people. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no more, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, so that they may have something to share with those in need. The crime of what Bachman-Turner Overdrive is suggesting is that somehow if we could ever get to a point where we didn't have to work anymore, we'd be free to do nothing all day. Well, the reason that's such a deception is, is God saying you'd be missing the opportunity to be a blessing to someone else. 
One of the great things about work is that we have the opportunity to bless those who may not be able to provide for themselves. Maybe they're too young. Maybe they have special needs. Maybe they're not physically able. Maybe there isn't work to be had. And if God has given you the opportunity to be able to work, one of the great blessings of that is that you can share with others. That's what Naomi is doing. She's using her energy and her efforts inside the home to be a blessing to this little baby. You see, the idea that work is somehow this curse that we all have to endure. Now, it's true. Work is very difficult because of sin. But the idea of work itself is a blessing. And in this little book, it's so powerful that God uses work, Boaz's job, Ruth's job, Naomi's job, as part of the means by which he brings rescue and redemption and renewal and restoration. That's why I think it's fitting that they've named this child Obed. Now, Obed is a shortened form of the more common Old Testament name, Obadiah. Obadiah means servant of the Lord. Obed means servant. It's interesting, they basically named the child worker. Which I think is a great reminder what a blessing work had played in God bringing rescue and redemption and restoration. They are remembering the fact it's because Boaz has this field and because Boaz has worked at his job with integrity that Ruth is able to come and work there. And because Ruth is able to come and work to provide food for Naomi at home that Boaz and Ruth are able to meet each other and to get married and have this child. And because they have this child, Naomi is allowed to bless and work for this child. And in this great cycle where everybody's blessing everybody else, at the heart of it is work. The jobs we go to, whether outside the home or inside the home, whether paid or unpaid, whether in the religious world or in the secular world, God uses work to redeem, to restore, to renew, to save. So what I'd like us to do is just take just a few minutes. I'm not going to have you come down front. What I'd like you to do is, if it's useful, take out a piece of paper and a pen If it's not useful, uh, just kind of sit there. I want you to do some time of reflection. I got a reflection question, just one question we're going to think about for our time together. And the question is, how is God using work to be a blessing to you and to others? And when you think through this question, I want you to think of, when you think of work, Maybe it's your job that you're going to go to today or tomorrow outside the home. Great, think of that. Maybe it's your role as a parent or a grandparent. Great, think of that. Maybe it's the chores that your parents have assigned to you. Great, think of that. Maybe it's a volunteer position you're doing at the church or somewhere else. But think of something you've been assigned by God to do. And I want you to spend just a few minutes thinking through how that thing, that job, that parenting, that chore, that volunteer assignment, how might that thing be something God is using in your life to rescue you and to bless you 
and others. All right, so take just a few minutes. You can write down some words as they come to mind or whatever it is. But I'm going to kind of walk you through this, giving you some suggestions as to how this might be the case. So, for example, did God pick the job that you have because he's trying to bring you some level of dignity that maybe your background, maybe you're the child of a prostitute, maybe you're a foreigner, maybe God has chosen this job that you have to give you a different identity, to bring dignity and honor to who you are. Did God choose this job that you have? Because he wants to humble you. Maybe if you had a different job, uh, pride would run rampant in your life. And maybe the job you currently have is because God wants you to look more like Jesus and less like the world. Has God given you the job that he's given you? Because he wants to root selfishness out of you. Maybe as a parent, caring for children, you're having to give and give and give and give, and that doesn't come naturally to you. Maybe that's not a curse from God. Maybe that's a blessing to make you more like Jesus. Has God given you the chores that you have or the job that you have because there are skills or things that you're going to need to be successful in life that you're not being taught by video games or by schools or even by sports? Has God picked the chores that your parents have given to you as a way of helping you make you more well-rounded? Is there something, and I'm thinking perhaps more uh, grandparents here, or those maybe even who have retired from work, is there some assignment with your grandkids that God has given you not to prevent you from golfing in Florida, but to give purpose to your life? To keep you from thinking what the world wants you to think, which is that you're useless? And God wants you to think otherwise? Has God given you the job that you have to protect you from materialism? Has he chosen the salary that you're getting, whether an actual amount or you're doing it as a volunteer, because he doesn't want money to own you? Has God given you the job that you have, parenting, chores, 
volunteer opportunity, something in the workplace, because you have a unique, unique chance to bless others? Have you been able to provide work for those who might not be able to have work? Has God given you the opportunity to make a salary, and have you been able to share that and be generous with others? Has your serving as a volunteer enabled work to happen that couldn't have happened otherwise? In what ways is the work that God gives to us part of the process of how He wants to rescue us and bless others? I promise you, the job that you have, the parenting that you're doing, the chores you've been assigned, the volunteer work that you're doing is a gift from God. And it's part of how he wants to transform you and bless you. It brings dignity. You were chosen for this work. Certainly no animal was chosen to do it, but no one else was chosen to raise those children either. It was you. You were chosen for that job by God. You were given that assignment by God. It allows us to provide for ourselves, and it allows us to be generous to others. Now, as you spend some more time thinking about this throughout the day or however the Lord leads, I want to leave you with a final thought. And the final thought comes out of the book of Haggai. And it's where the children of Israel have been given the job of rebuilding the temple. You can either think about that as a religious activity, but these are stone cutters, these are masons, these are people. You can think of it as a secular activity. I don't think you're supposed to divide it up. I think what you're supposed to hear is what God says. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is the idea, I think, behind the blessing when Boaz comes into his fields and he greets his employees and he says, the Lord be with you. That when we do the work that God has assigned us, God is with us in a special way. And this afternoon when you go to that retail store to work or tomorrow when you go into the factory to work, I want you to remember God is with you. Work. Do the work he's assigned you to do. Don't think, well, he's only with me if I'm here sharing the gospel. No, he's there when you do the work you've been assigned to do. When you go to take care of the kids today and you want to change the diaper late at night and they're waking up and you don't want to be doing that or you're a grandparent and you're like, I'm on duty tomorrow and it starts at 7 in the morning and I don't necessarily have the energy to do this. Remember, be strong. Do the work. God is with you. When you're facing a task that you think, I just can't do this. I've been asked to, to switch jobs and I don't think I can do this new job. Be strong. Do the work. God is with you. When you're looking at the books and you're saying, I don't know how we're going to get enough employees to do all of this stuff. I don't know how we're going to pay these bills. You're working in the construction industry and you think, I don't know where we're going to find employees to do all of these. Be strong. Do the work. For God is with you. When you look at the chores you're being asked to do and you think, I don't want to unload the dishwasher one more time. Be strong. Do the work. 
for the Lord is with you. Please, this is not just a promise for parents. It's a promise for everybody. When you think to yourself, I've been volunteering at this church and no one seems to notice. I just keep doing the same thing day in and day. Be strong. Do the work. For the Lord is with you. And even though sin and the curse makes work difficult, God is with you. God is pleased by what you do. Boaz is not a pastor. He's not a missionary. He's not a priest. He's not a Levite. He owns his own business and he's a farmer and he goes to work every day. And God could not be more pleased with him. Ruth is a day laborer. She gleans in the field. She works hard. It's physical, manual labor. God could not be more pleased with her. Naomi is a grandmother who's changing diapers and raising a child. And at her age, she's tired and exhausted. God could not be more pleased with her. And please know that God is pleased with you. You don't need to be a pastor. You don't need to be a missionary. You don't need to be a Levite. You don't need to be in religious work. Whatever the assignment God has given to you to do, be strong, do the work, and know that God is with you.